Hello everyone, welcome back for another exciting visit to the village. My name is Greg, holding my mic in defiance because joining me is... Ryan. John. Glenn. So you were out last week, Ryan. I was. You were, and, and you sound just, you know, completely panty-dropping to... Yeah. We missed you something awful. I, I, I could tell on the podcast, you guys did a terrible job of impersonating me. Really? Really? I, mean, I thought we got... It was spot I, on I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to get the voice, I was just trying to get the... the essence. The essence. Like, the, I was trying to get the, the, right. the anger and the... The, 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 the genesis putts. I, I because, you know, like, Michael Fassbender didn't really look a whole like like Steve Jobs, but, but he, he got the, captured the, the essence. Yeah, he captured, captured the essence. I, I'm not we angry. Were, we I were just, trying to Fassbender. I, I'm not an angry person. I just point out factual things that people... Angrily. Piss you off. I point out things that most people probably wouldn't address like greg holding the fucking microphone like he does all the time <laughs> I, I really don't know because like i kind of described to you before like basically this is my way of making sure that my voice picks up well on there because if not like we, we did before from hold like, i tend to move around so if the mic moves with me ooh. we should get him one of those garth brooks mics I mean, <laughs> fuck then the thunder can roll and the I lightning mean, can strike. It's not like we're doing a fucking mobile podcast. We're sitting at a table. You can't fucking. Well, stay still. Well, they call it mobile. mobile. Like it's <laughs> well, I mean, you can't just stay fucking Go still. Mobile. Long I can't that. stay still. <laughs> but anyway, you guys did do a good job, aside from the terrible impersonation of me. But I, other than that, I enjoyed the episode. Nice. Oh, thank you. We didn't have a whole lot to talk about. <laughs> but we still <laughs> managed to fill. Just like Indiana Jones and his dad. That's right. Yeah. Nothing to talk about. But yeah, I had a. I, I was under the weather. Um, I, f- I felt like crap uh, one day, and I, you look I, like it too. I, thanks. I, I doped up on Nyquil and stuff, and uh, I felt better the next day. I went back to work, and then um, I just started to lose my voice for whatever. I think it was some kind of do like a sinus infection or something, and my voice still isn't back. But I pushed through because I feel like you guys needed me. We do need you. We do need you. Well, especially we needed when you told us one of the pieces of content yeah, you watched, okay. we insisted. I needed to well, hear about this. Uh, but we'll, we'll, get we'll get to that, that later. We'll but, get to that. Yeah. yeah, we're actually recording this on Sunday morning, which is something we don't usually do, and we were going to do it maybe without Glenn or without Ryan or something because we were all having a scheduling issue, but when yeah, when Ryan told us he'd watch this, I was like, we're going to figure something it's, out. It's, it's, it's your guys' fault, I think, on the podcast that y'all, meant, y'all talked about it. Yeah. That, yeah, we did we talk, talk about, about it. its existence. Y'all talked about it, and the, 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 the level that y'all talked about Hubie Halloween, I was like, I got to see what this is so I just put it on and push through it but I'll get to the review later but, uh, yeah John just made us a very nice breakfast he did it was good there was eggs and there was uh, bacon and there was sausage and biscuits and bacon's baller the bacon was baller bacon's baller didn't I tell you to be quiet <laughs> no one listens to you pothead that's true pothead pothead <laughs> I, 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 I pass on grass <laughs> All, all right. the time. And, you, and you were also nice enough to bring us some of the potato so We had this discussion a little bit ago. I need to let people know, if you're listening to the podcast, and you can agree or disagree with our opinion of films, but there's one thing that is universally believed to be true if you've had it. The Wendy's breakfast seasoned potatoes are a wonder to behold. They are. They are. Wendy's needs to get rid of their french fries yeah. and just have that all the time. If they did that, I think they would challenge McDonald's. I, and I mean, like, I've always loved McDonald's breakfast. And if you want, like, an egg McMuffin or something, yes, you got to get that at McDonald's because they don't have the muffins at uh, at Wendy's. But I'm always a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit kind of guy, and they have that at Wendy's, and they're comparable. They're about the same thing. But the seasoned potato wedges are far beyond yeah, the hash browns. I really like Wendy's new breakfast because they don't just have biscuits; they have croissant sandwiches. But yeah. it's not like that crappy flaky Burger King croissant it's like it's really it holds together well and then like the breakfast Baconator has it's almost like a little mini uh, sandwich um, like buns well and I think when these I could be wrong but I think they actually 
crack eggs. It's they do. The yeah. It's all fresh yeah. eggs. Uh, it's very highly recommended. Yeah. But the, the seasoned you, you potato do, wedges. You do know, back to this croissant issue, you do know that croissants are by, supposed well, to be flaky. I know, but for uh, the purposes of a fast food sandwich, trust me, when you have Wendy's, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Burger King one, it, it looks like it was at one time a croissant. That they fucked up. But a, a taxi driver <laughs> it, 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 fall, it falls apart when you're eating it. It's, it's it tastes to, divine. Yeah. Croissants are good, though. Oh, yeah. But yeah. And they also have they have honey butter biscuits at, uh, at Wendy's too. There's a, there's a, a fried chicken breakfast sandwich. Yes, well, the, honey butter the, biscuit. The, the, the maple delicious. the maple chicken. Biscuit now, now honestly, I did have the maple one, and I didn't like that one too much. It was kind of a weird texture. On the you know what I biscuit. felt when I was eating it? I was like, it tastes pretty good, but I felt like had I had maple syrup to pour on it while I was eating it, it would have been even better. Such extravagance. Uh, yeah. Health food. And one thing that my <laughs> she, she apparently always used to get, because she, she just usually goes to the fast food places for her large Diet Coke, because she, she's addicted to Diet Coke. But they make a fresh granola bar there, and it's it's really good. Yeah, I did see that. If you I want something a little bit lighter for breakfast. We're going to make a separate show where we just talk about food. Yeah. I mean, that's we most could. of our life anyway, yeah. I feel like. It's, I mean, we, we do live in New Orleans. We're in New Orleans. I mean, usually... Our conversation during a meal is what the next meal is going to be. I mean, it, as and far as I'm concerned, there's only three things that matter to me in life, and it's food, sex, and football. Yeah. What, what about, like, movies and stuff? <laughs> Your that's, children. That's what I, the podcast is about. <laughs> and, and as Greg mentioned, you do have children. They're okay. But, but uh, you know, th- those other three things probably are at the What top. about Cobra Kai? Oh, I still. If you're telling me I gotta get rid of one of those three, you, you, I know. Hey, hey, no, hey, you, you, can have, you can have five things. I can have five. Okay, well, then, have five I guess things. I gotta put the kids in there somewhere, and then Cobra Kai would be up there. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of that scene that they always show when they do the Christmas specials of uh, Saturday Night Live, where Steve Martin is sitting there and he's saying all the. If, if I could have <laughs> one wish, and then he just keeps adding, oh, okay, if I could have five wishes, yeah. Remember, it was it um, the Jimmy Fallon movie with the Red Sox? I mean, he's like, oh, socks, sex, fever pitch. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like screaming into the microphone. <laughs> Carl Yastrzemski. <laughs> Drew Barrymore's dad was like, look at this asshole. <laughs> Speaking of assholes, uh, let's talk a little bit about the boys. I didn't see it. I didn't see it either. I it really is, want it's, to. It's all out now. It's all out. Yeah, I know. I was, uh, well, I was purposely waiting and then... Um, I had started from the beginning just to go back, and I, I just kind of I watched like three episodes from season one, but I haven't gotten to season two yet. Yeah, it's it was awesome. It's yeah, short, it, right? It's only like eight episodes. It's eight episodes. It's eight episodes. Is that how many season one was? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay, I didn't realize there was. And season three got renewed before season two even premiered, so we we do have another season coming. Uh, yeah. next year, but this season is awesome. not. Netflix, I thought you yeah. probably get a fourth. I thought this. It had, a, it had a new villain this season, which I mean, it still had the villain from last season, but uh, it added another another villain in Stormfront. And, right. And did you see kind of what I was saying last last week? How it almost got a little too real at times. Yeah. Like there's kind of a lot of commentary about what's going on right now. Yeah. But um, and there was a lot of because it's a lot of a. Uh, Oh, there's a these soup terrorists that are coming in, and we have to you know watch out for these soup terrorists that are coming in. And when something bad happens, you know the ones that are the, the villain, the homelander, and all that stuff. Like, oh, but you know, I mean, we're we're so thoughts and prayers to all the people. You know, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. And it's, and it's like, eh, yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, there's stuff with Nazis. It's a lot of it's a lot of mirroring of kind of what's going on right now. But it's um. But I'll say that. But I mean, these comics came. When did the comics? It's a while from while back, probably, yeah. at least ten years. Okay. But I mean, the shows it's it's awesome, and I mean it, it's not like it's gonna it beat you over the head with no, like, not at all. Message, it's not just, at all. It, it's it, it's very it's very well done. Yeah, but I find like that's the the thing. Like you have to create that connection to it by having something real. 
But like you're saying, it kind of you can skirt the line sometimes right. to make it too close. I feel like this season might have even been more gory than the first season. Oh, absolutely! Like like by by a large margin. The, I mean, I'm not going to give away anything, but the the courtroom scene. Yeah, there's a courtroom scene, and there was another scene that I don't know. I feel like Ryan. For some reason, I feel like you would have laughed because I laughed when it happened. Did it's Chris a, Klein get shot? No, 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 no. But it's uh the what is it? Kamiko is that her Kamiko. name? Kamiko, whatever the you know the the girl that they find or whatever the she's super super, the super 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 violent. Right. She goes and she's about to kill somebody and she puts her hand around the guy's like chin and it looks like in any other Arnold Schwarzenegger movie she's about to break this guy's neck but no she just like grabs his cheek and rips the skin completely off of his face. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wow, <laughs> that was extra violent. But um, yeah, the the acting on the show is yeah stellar. The guy that plays Homelander, I mean, is just. The just it's it's all, it's the looks that he gives all right. Because like when we were talking sociopath. about the, that courtroom scene, just yeah, just the look on his face. I'm not even gonna. It's just hilarious. Yeah. But um, and I thought the Erin Moriarty, the one that plays um Starlight, yeah, she, she was really good this season. Which I told Glenn, uh, Karen and I were just flipping through the channels the other night, and the watch was on. You know, with Ben Stiller or whatever. The girl that plays Starlight was Vince Vaughn's daughter in that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. That's I've never. I'd, I didn't recognize her when I watched that, but now that I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's Starlight. Yeah, that's good. But, uh, and I, I'm, I, I, I approve of the, the level of Billy Joel this season. There's a lot of Billy Joel in it. <laughs> it's good stuff, yeah. Huey's awesome. But Huey, I found, was like a much smaller character he this was. season. Because he was the, pretty much the main character last season. He was, uh, almost, I almost want to say Homelander was the main character this season. I, I would agree with that. I mean, that. It's, it's a kind of... It was more of an ensemble. More of an season. ensemble, yeah. Yeah, this season, but, um, yeah, I agree, but... Um, yeah, and, and and Billy Butcher. I told I told Greg this. Billy Butcher's mother's in it. And it's Mrs. Patmore from Downton Abbey. If anybody has watched that, she's just this old lady that cooks in the in the kitchen at Downton Abbey. <laughs> and, and she drops a couple of sea bombs in this show. That that, uh, yeah. that and then I mentioned last week that John Noble was the dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he had Carl Urban. He had some like pretty dramatic like scenes in the scene. He did, especially the last two episodes. Yeah. Like it was it was impressive. And he's really good with that Cockney accent because he's Australian. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, definitely watch The Boys is what I'm definitely. thinking Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Amazon. Amazon and and we, we talked a few weeks ago, like, they released the three episodes, and then it was one a week. And some people, you know, like to binge or whatever. It's all out now, so you can binge it all. You right. can binge the whole thing. Well, it's all there. The reason I made that pause, I was trying to figure out how to, if it was time to segue or not, but, like, uh, I really need to know what a song exploder is. Um, I was flipping through Facebook, and um, if you follow uh, Netflix on Facebook, Netflix will, like, put these... I guess these little trailers out for stuff. And this is how I found this. I didn't even know anything about this. It's a, a TV series on Netflix. It's only four episodes. And it basically, I don't know the guy's name who directed it and like made it, but he's breaking down like with the artist four particular songs of severe relevance or importance, I guess, to him or just in general. So the cool thing about it is two of the songs, one was by Alicia Keys, which I didn't recognize the song, so I didn't have any interest in watching it one was by Ty Dolla Sign which I thought was kind of uh, I don't know what his music is I mean I've heard of the man but the other two were one was Lin-Manuel Miranda's Wait For It from Hamilton and the other one was R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion okay, you sold me on both those episodes already so I the Alicia Keys song is it's three hour drive and then the Ty Dolla Sign is uh, L.A. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, they may be good songs. I just they don't, they don't, they don't. I never they didn't resonate with me like the other two did. So, um, what I got from that is I have no talent. There are people in this world that have immense talent that can't be. When you, when Michael Stipe talks about how he wrote "Losing My Religion" so fast, he doesn't even remember it. 
he, he was just like it was just kind of a blur where I just sort of like started writing it and and it was just like and the the insecurity that Michael Stipe has when he's talking about like they, they actually play his vocals without any music behind it at, at parts where he, so he can listen to it and he is so uncomfortable hearing himself and the guys in the band when they were talking they were like yeah Mike's always been that way where he's just unsure of himself and that goes into a lot of the meaning behind losing my religion you know talking about when he talked about how he wrote it basically thinking of you know if you have feelings for someone and you don't know if they feel the same as you and you don't know if you should tell them all the way what you feel or are you telling them enough and it's just the way he, he breaks it down it's just it's incredible and the talent of like guys like that and it's oh my god Lin-Manuel talking about wait for it he was it's just incredible like we're talking about like he's on the bus and I love how when he wrote it and he was sit, he was sitting up in the in the room of was that it was Aaron Burr's Aaron, Aaron Burr's house. house yeah it's it's amazing well he he's one of those people that like he he's a music nerd yeah. and you hear that when he talks about specific like movements and songs that they've put in, in the put in, they've put in in the musical like they're meant to to kind of harken back like the whole beginning of uh the song pre like when he, he meets John Lawrence and everyone Right. Uh, it basically is supposed to be like old style rap, and then it flows into the new style rap. Yeah. So it, yeah, like, like hearing him talk about music is, is always been one of my favorite things. I actually, I mean, I loved both of those episodes, but the REM one was my favorite, and I was I wasn't expecting that because Way Forward is my favorite song yeah. from Hamilton. But I, I guess maybe because I hadn't heard much from REM and the band, they actually talk about how they're not broken up. They just they don't they don't do anything right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's I can't if you if you the cool thing about this series I hope they continue it is that you know you if you find a song that you really means a lot to you I would definitely recommend watching it but you don't have to watch all the episodes and, and I guess one one cool thing about the I mean the ones you mentioned they're not necessarily the biggest hits because I mean if you if you ask people about Hamilton I mean everyone's always going to go to my shot usually yeah, or probably like, but I mean it's, so that's kind of cool that they're. I'm wondering if it's the songwriters that are picking these songs. I don't know. Well, Losing My Religion was R.E.M.'s biggest hit. But the other ones, yeah, I don't think that those yeah. are the, the artist's biggest uh, so. I Glenn and I watched the um, the Hamilton one. We it did. Was, it was excellent. But I, I do really want to watch the uh, the R.E.M. one because, yeah, I'm a huge R.E.M. fan. Yeah. One of, one of my, my greatest experiences ever was a, a man sitting at this table took me to <laughs> R.E.M. did a, a tour. It was yeah. their a greatest hits tour, too. Yeah, it was that, the that show Fun Arena. And it was amazing because yeah. I always wanted to scratch it off my bucket list seeing them in concert. Yeah, I had seen I've seen them live too with my sister, I believe. And yeah, they were they're incredible live. Yeah, if you, if you believe they put a man on the moon, <laughs> I do. <laughs> uh, so uh, I kind of am curious about this because I haven't watched the show in a while, and this is probably going to be a factor in this. But like South Park had a pandemic episode, and they were very prescient. Um, I had no intention to actually watch this just because. I'm lazy and I had no interest in going to find it on Comedy Central. But luckily, yeah, it just popped up on HBO Max, which is a streaming service that has really grown on me. It's gotten a lot better from when it first launched. My, my biggest complaint with it is that I can't watch it on my uh, on my app on my uh, Amazon Fire Stick. Yeah, I've which, heard. but I mean, but yeah, the, I mean, I've seen stuff on the iPad. I mean, it's it's a good service. It's got very good um, navig navigability. Yeah, um, but once we'll get to that in another episode. Yeah, yeah, but the South Park thing. I mean, I haven't watched South Park in a long time. And I feel like the show has not evolved very much. If I'm going by this pandemic, they're doing the same stuff. Yeah, that might be by design. I mean, I'm sure it is, but I feel like at some point, it's not as shocking or as funny to hear somebody having sex with animals. I mean, it was kind of amusing, I guess, the first couple it's times. Everyday occurrence in Ryan's world. In South Park, I'm talking about like that. That's just 
And well, I, I do think one of the things, and I, I kind of, I had seen like a piece of an episode related to what John was saying about Randy becoming a, a platformer, but like, they, I love how like they've basically made Randy like this just insanely crazy person. Yeah. When he was Lord. Without question, the best part of the episode to me was Cartman's storyline, where he was enjoying and loving the pandemic because he didn't have to go to school. <laughs> and he would walk around with a six-foot pole so people would stay away from him because he was enjoying not being around people. And I, I did like, I liked a lot of the stuff with the people that aren't even main characters, just with the, the masks and everything. Yes. And there's like, a, guy, a delivery guy comes up and somebody comes out of their house, you know, with a, without a mask on. And he's like, oh, sir, could you please just put your mask on just under your chin so, you know, we're, so we're safe. And they kept calling it the chin diaper. Chin diapers, yeah. And then somebody's like, okay, you need to put those masks, was it supposed to be Dr. Fauci? Yes. And he said, you got to put that mask over your nose. He goes, you want me to put a chin diaper on my nose? That's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> yeah, like there are parts that are really funny, but overall, like the the storyline of what caused COVID that they came up with, I didn't really yeah, find it to stupid. be that great. But it's worth watching for Cartman. And there is a an appearance by the villainous Mickey Mouse in it. That's yes. that's been in the South Park episodes before. And our president. Yeah, who is Mr. Garrison? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Did, I mean, is Mr. Garrison still the president, or did they actually... No, Mr. Garrison is the president, but he's orange and has the Donald Trump hair. And basically, okay. in this, he's saying that he's not doing anything about it, because if you really look at all the numbers of people that are dying, it's all the Mexicans that are dying the most, so he's keeping his promise of getting all the Mexicans out. <laughs> oh, Mr. Garrison. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's... it's Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it was it was fine. It's what you expect. There's there other specials, like the Imagination Land special yeah, was no. much funnier. That was, I mean, that was several years ago, but that was that one was really yeah, funny. They raped Kurt Russell to death. Yeah, that's not good. Because <laughs> they, they had a star date, and, 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 and all the all the villains were there. <laughs> well, from uh, one show about animation to another, uh, Star Trek Lord Dex had its finale. Yeah, yeah Glenn, so you got to see this. I did. I did. I, I'm, I, and I, I wouldn't. This the show. It's very hit or miss. Um, I've, in fact, I haven't even really. I haven't watched them all. I've kind of. Um, watched a few here and there, um, and for those, this is the um, the comedic Star Trek show done by the creators of Rick and Morty um, on CBS All Access. It's on CBS All Access. So the it just had its season finale, um, which was called I think it's there no small parts, but um, this one actually got into a lot of. Um, I guess it tied more into the uh, Star Trek Next Generation than um, anything else. I mean, there was an appearance by John Delancey as Q in a, uh, kind of in an episode kind of in the middle of the season. But this uh, finale, yeah, was no small parts. Um, the villain of this uh, episode is this race from the Next Generation called the Pakleds, which were the we look for things to make us go. Mm-hmm. And they kind of are very... Uh, I'm trying to they're, think of the right word to describe. They're very childlike. I will. I will say this about the Packlids. It seems like the Packlids were a kind of like villain race they were trying to create, kind of like the Ferengis, where they weren't as scary as they intended. Or, but or no one took them. Yeah, s- no one took them seriously. seriously. But I mean, there there are a couple of little jokes. Like there was a next gen episode about these little, I guess, m- machines that a mining colony had that may be self aware, and one of them is now in Starfleet. <laughs> And it's just like, it's a little box that floats around. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, Were they on comps or? I think, yeah. But uh, anyway, that, that's kind of funny just to see a little, looks like a little football in a Starfleet uniform floating around. 
But the, uh, I guess the big takeaway from this one is um, we get an appearance by the USS Titan. A Luna-class starship with an awesome design. Commanded by Captain Will Riker and uh, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis, uh, you know, voice Roy, Triker, and Roy. Triker and Roy. Triker and Roy. Yeah. I, that's their new <laughs> Riker, names. Riker and Troy. I, I got to um, tell you, I think this might be the way, if we wanted a, a, a series with Frakes, a, 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 doing it by animation might be the way to go. Right, but it's... It's really funny, like his um, Jonathan Frakes. I mean, if you if you ever see him in real life, he's hilarious. And remember when he sang his Christmas carol? Yes, I yeah. do. But uh, he is he takes a couple little shots at. Uh, I mean, kind of some lovingly inside jokes about Star Trek, where he talks about um, his the the season the series finale of Star Trek Enterprise, which was one of the most maligned things ever. Yeah. I think. And he kind of jokes about that. Uh, there's a joke about him loving jazz and stuff like that, but it's it's really funny. And then the, the episode kind of ends with um, a character transferring to the Titan. So I'm curious for season two if, if Jonathan Frakes is going to stick around and just be a, um, a that would regular, be awesome. Cause that, the, the, regular character. If they go with canonizing a lot about those novels, then basically like his crew is very diverse, and some of those aliens I don't know how they pull off on screen. Well, I mean, the, the, like The doctor, his, his chief medical officer, is a velociraptor. Well, that which would be hilarious, and especially the way they animate this yeah. show. So, um, <laughs> but like I said, it's it's on CBS All Access. This show it definitely is not for everybody. In fact, like I said, I don't even know if I would recommend every single episode. Just this finale was good. Well, a show that I would recommend every single episode of, uh, I stumbled upon on Apple TV Plus, and someone had told me at work about this. But uh, it's Ted Lasso, starring Jason Sudeikis. And, I do love uh, Jason Sudeikis. <clears throat> basically. Uh, the, apparently, from what I understand, this spun out of a, a sketch he did on SNL. Really? I don't remember. But him being some some soccer coach that got things wrong. This is what someone was telling me. I could be completely yeah. off base on that because you know the dude that was telling me that might be wrong. But yeah, it's uh he plays this like American football coach, and from what I understand, like it was I don't know if it's even like like minor league football or something. I don't know if it was in college, but uh, basically there's this this uh, football club in Richmond in England that. Uh, the owner of the team uh, break like divorces his wife after he's been you know sleeping around on her, and she's now the the head of the team. So she needs to hire a new coach because the other coach they fire. And she hires this guy, and it turns out that it's, it's uh, basically she's trying to run what her former husband loved into the ground. So she hires this guy who's never coached a game of soccer. It's major Doesn't, league. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, 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 basically, and uh, he comes around, um, and then of course zaniness ensues, and there's like uh, some archetypal uh, characters there's like the new uh you know star of the team who's on loan from manchester and he's uh just very full of himself and has his girlfriend played by uh what's her name juno temple and and she's hilarious in it but it's a really great cast but what surprised me about it is the show has a lot of heart um ted lasso's character is very he's not even but he's very good at what he does he really has another sport he's you know but he's also a very good uh people manager so he tries to bring out the best in people, and he's so nice because, like, the the woman who's who's basically like wanting him to fail, is finding it hard to to not like him. And so the 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 show is basically about all these people kind of having the the best in them brought out, and it's kind of hilarious. Like when he first shows up, the equipment manager is taking him around to see everything, and he's like, "Oh, what's your name?" And he's like, "No one's ever asked me that before." So he, he becomes a central character to the show, Nate, and uh, it just it's really it's a great ensemble cast. As the older uh, guy. Who's the season is like his last season in the league, and he's the traditional like oi yeah. type of soccer player. But it's it's a great show. 
And there's 11 episodes. I'm on episode like eight. They're half hour episodes. Half hour episodes. Yeah. You can fly through it. And I just looked it up. Apparently, the character Ted Lasso first appeared in NBC Sports Premier League in August of 2013. So, mm. must have been something like a sketch that he yeah, related yeah. to it. Cool. But yeah, I like I. I'm telling you, like there's a. Yeah, she came in on one of the episodes, but it, it really is, like, if you're looking for a comedy, but also something that you can really enjoy, uh, it, it is full of language, so watch for the kids, but okay. uh, great show. And uh, Ryan, you got to see Raised by Wolves. Oh, uh, yeah, Glenn talked about it. Um, I'm just, like, I, I didn't get past the first episode. So. Yeah, it, it made me kind of curious, so I, I tried to watch it. I do say tried. Um, it's really weird. Glenn's 100% right. Like, it is, it is sci-fi to the nth degree. You got to be really into sci-fi to like this show. I got to three episodes. Glenn's three episode rule is, is by the way, a stroke of genius because it's <laughs> it's entirely true. Like, if you get through three episodes and you don't like a show, you can give up. And I got to three, and it just it's too weird. Like, there's no characters to relate to or sympathize with because they're all pieces of crap. I guess you could sort of relate to one of the androids. Father, you can relate father, to the android. Yeah. Um, but it's just a weird show. It's on HBO Max. Um, it just got picked up for season two. Did it really? Wow. It's so strange. Now, I'll give it the, the visual effects are incredible. Um, and and yeah. I hear, I, I mean, I, I just, I heard online that there might be a tie-in where it might take place in the same world as Prometheus. I wouldn't be surprised. But it, I, it, it looks like Prometheus. Yeah. It's got that same look. But, like, yeah, one of the androids, it, it turns out, is a, they call it a necromancer, where she's basically, like, a murdering robot and she didn't really know that she was and yeah in episode one she goes on a murdering rampage oh, yeah, that's how it ends yeah though and uh yeah the re- like the next two episodes are basically about how father and the little kid don't trust her and that they've got some prisoners now does that she they- bring people back to life that's usually what a necromancer is that's what they call her yeah i don't know that's what they call the android model that she is that mm. is basically can fly around and like scream and make people implo- explode it's, it's all necromancers really love evanescence too <laughs> Um, I, I can't recommend it. I mean, if you really love sci-fi, you you might really like this. Like hard sci-fi, hardcore sci-fi. I'll stuff. give it a chance, but like, yeah, I can't really. Like to me, Star Trek is probably about as hardcore sci-fi as I'd go. Like like the series, like original Star Trek or Next Gen. Yeah. But this is next level sci-fi shit. And I mean, I, I honestly, I probably won't watch it though because of all the. Uh, there's so much stuff out there now to watch on all these different streaming services. I'm not going to waste my time watching one that you said is maybe okay. Yeah, so, right. I mean, it's I mean, I think that's the ultimate goal of the show, though, is we try to like filter out yeah. stuff for you. Yeah. So now you know if you really, really love sci-fi, give this one a and shot. And if you're like a big, if you're a really big fan of Prometheus, maybe because like, yeah. so that's the first episode reminded me a lot of Prometheus. You're absolutely right. Except, I mean, some of the things of them trying to survive kind of reminded me of The Martian a little, but it was a lot of Prometheus. Very, very much of Prometheus stuff. So this show maybe doesn't have the right stuff, but does the right stuff have the right stuff? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I like that. Greg's a new kid's on the walk, fam. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. We're all, we're all hanging tough. <laughs> Please don't go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I saw the, uh, the first two episodes of The Right Stuff. This is... Um, it's about the new kids on the walk, or...? I guess they were at the time. <laughs> Does it star Donald Wahlberg? It, it stars Colin O'Donohue, which oh. if you watch the show um, Once Upon a Time, he played Captain Hook. <laughs> the, the Brothers Knight. But um, <laughs> The Right Stuff was a uh, was a book and was a pretty popular film back in the early 80s, I believe. It starred... Um, Ed Harris, right? Ed Harris and Sam Shepard and all about the Mercury, the Seven Yeah, I, I never saw that movie. I always wanted to see it. Um, this is a... Um, 
So Disney Plus is if you go there, it's it involves Nat Geo. Yeah, Nat Geo. This is this is a this is a Nat Geo show made for Disney Plus based on the book and the um, the original movie, The Right Stuff. Oh, cool! So it's about the um, forming of the Mercury Space Program. That sounds awesome. Um, it stars, like I said, Colin O'Donoghue plays Gordon Cooper, which I think in the original movie um, Dennis Quaid played him. Um, but I mean, they uh, it's really well done so far. Like, just two episodes have come out, so they're only two to watch. But it really gets into a lot of how it was really new waters and about them trying to form NASA from the from the ground up, where you know they were in Florida and it was just a bunch of swampland, and they were recruiting all these test pilots, knowing very well a lot of them may die. And how they knew to get funding, they needed to get likable test pilots because they're basically characters on a TV show that they're going to be bringing around. So they're interviewing their wives and stuff like that. And it's very, like I said, I thought it was very well done. It's very interesting. Um, it's, like I said, it's on Disney Plus. Only two episodes thus far. And I, so far, I, I really like I'm it. I'm psyched. I want to watch this. Yeah, one. me too. Um, normally, what I would do is I would save like the thing I've been. You know, really excited about the most for the end, but I just have to know how Hubie Halloween was. So I, I want to go first. I, I want to hear the whole. Th- when, so when did you sit down? Like you said, you you first heard about this when you listened to us, right? Yeah, I didn't know anything about the movie, and then I was like, "What are they talking about?" So I watched the trailer, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Okay, this so is, this that answers my question because yeah, we sat down. Karen and I were getting ready to watch something on Netflix. Oh, we watched we watched Noah Holmes, by the way. We can oh, talk okay. about that after if you want. I'll, I'll, we did like that, but the Hubie Halloween trailer came on, and we watched it. And Karen never even heard of this. And when it was over, she just kind of like looked at me with this confused look, and I was like, "Ryan watched it apparently." And she said, "Did he see the trailer before he watched it?" And I was like, "I don't know." So now we have that answer. You I don't really. See it. I don't really know why I chose to watch this because. Every Adam Sandler Netflix film that I've watched has been a lump of crap. And I was fully expecting this to be the same way. So why did I watch it? I really, I guess I was in a lighthearted mood. I don't know. <laughs> and you wanted to bring yourself down. <laughs> All right, so. But I mean, like, do you remember the, the time when, like, Adam Sandler had a bunch funny. of funny. And he was funny, but, like, but Billy Madison was the one that was like, that one's really stupid. It's not for everybody. That one is so much better than. Well, any, I, I love Billy Madison. I love. I, get, I, love I do too. It's, it's but, but I know what you mean. Like it's 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 a, that brand of humor that's not for everybody. But he got to a place too where it was like kind of crowd pleasing stuff. He had Fifty First Dates, which was decidedly an Adam Sandler type of humor. Yeah. But it's very universal. But it was good. And Big Daddy, for the most part, I thought yeah. was yeah. very good the too. Wedding the Wedding Singer is, I think, that's so his, that's his best movie. I, I oh, I completely agree. Um, if I had to. But, okay, we're, we're gonna fix that. Heather has never seen. You're watching. What, you're watching that today. Um, there were cones. If I had to compare it to one of his previous films, it's probably closer to The Water Boy. Mm. As far as like, see, his, even The Water Boy had some degree of charm. It looked like Little Nicky to me when I watched the trailer. That was an awful. Wasn't movie. it from the same director? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So tell us about this movie. What, what, what's the plot of this movie? Without right? further ado. So Hubie Dubois. It's not Hubie Dubois. No, it's Hubie <sighs> Dubois. He, uh, he lives in the town of Salem, Massachusetts, which, as you might know, is the, the location of the Salem Witch Trials. So evidently they have a big... Halloween's a big deal there. So they're all psyched up about Halloween. And Hubie is the town idiot. And he is made fun of by adults and kids alike. Now, here's the thing, though. Like, in The Water Boy, how he was kind of picked on, but he didn't really do anything wrong. He was just... You know, kind of slow. Kind of simple. Right. He was a pain in the ass. Like, I, I could see why people made fun of him. Like, there's a scene where 
they show these, like they do this montage where they show how many different times he's bur burst into the police office to complain about something stupid like that there's expired meat at the grocery store or just weird things like that. See, that reminds me of Click because in Click, the, the, any time people try to compare that to Groundhog Day, I get upset because he doesn't really learn much in that movie. I don't know who you're talking to that would compare those two, but they need help. Yeah. <laughs> um, the major difference in those two is that one's a good movie and the other one's not. But apparently the, the only person who likes Hubie Doobie is his mother. And apparently... Is uh, it Kathy Bates? No, it's not. <laughs> is uh, Julie Bowen. Is his mom? No, uh, that's not the character. Oh. The mom is... Uh, I, f I forgot her name. You'll know... Uh, it's Her oh, name is... is is it June Squibb? Yeah. It's the one from, oh, the, yeah. from the Brass right? Yeah, you'd know, anybody who doesn't know her name, you'd, you'd know wherever you've seen her. She's been in plenty of stuff. She was actually Jack Nicholson's wife in About Schmidt. Mm. Yep. She told him no. She was Sheldon's Mima. Her last words in that movie, by the way, is don't dilly dally, <laughs> in case you wanted to know. Because then he goes out and he gets Dairy Queen, and then he comes back and she's had a stroke and died. I thought that was kind of amusing. Dear and Duke. Mm -hmm. But anyway, back to Hubie Doobie. Um, so Halloween is approaching, and Hubie is so paranoid about things he is convinced something weird is going on. And apparently, there was also a, uh, a mental institution had a, a, a patient breakout. So the funny thing, I think what Adam Sandler was going for was he was trying to borrow from classic Halloween movies and sort of combine it all because there's elements of Halloween with the mental patient escaping and coming into a small town. And there's elements of um, like just the like werewolves and things like that. He's got a crazy neighbor played by Steve Buscemi who may or may not be a werewolf. And werewolf? So, yeah. Mitzvah. So basically his paranoia is the whole time he believes something's going on and no one believes him. And there's your, your story right there. Um, here's one of the weird things about the movie. He has a thermos. I saw this in the trailer. And this thermos is like Batman's utility belt. A thermos that he made as a Boy Scout. This oh, thing, so he made the thermos? Yes. It has a grappling hook in it. And it's like a, it can work as a flare gun. And it also holds soup. So it's, a, so it's a functional thermos. It's a functional thermos. And it's also like a utility belt. Like he's like a superhero with this thermos. Greg's like grinding his teeth in, in agony listening to this. Um, the, 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 well, like, <laughs> his overall deal with Netflix had to consist of... <laughs> Here's some money. Do whatever you want. We have faith in you because I can't see him presenting this everything you've just described to executives at Netflix and have them go, "Yeah, go do that." Well, what's funny is he said when he when they were getting when he's getting all the press for Uncut Gems, he jokingly said that if they don't nominate him for an Oscar for this, he's going to make a movie that's purposely so awful that they just have to sit there and watch it as a punishment. I don't think it's that bad. It's 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 not good, but it's not like uh, that movie he did with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, the oh, murder mystery? Yes. One? I thought that was a piece of crap, and a lot of people liked it. I thought it was terrible. I, for, I forgot I that one existed. When, when you said the one with him and Jennifer Aniston, I thought about the one when they went to Hawaii. Or... Oh. But, uh, yeah, this movie's not good. But, again, like I think for most people, if you like this level of Adam Sandler comedy, which he's been doing for a while, I don't think you'll be necessarily let down by it. I guess the cool thing about it, it's a Halloween movie you can watch with kids. Because you enjoy garbage fires. It is PG-13. There are a couple sexual references in it, but nothing, I think, that's over I mean, the so top. so Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> that's a um, good one. <laughs> there's some... It, it, I can't... I mean, I, I'd probably give it about a three and a half. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. Um, Ray Liotta <laughs> was it, uh, oh, is, is also... Was it, was it, was it Ray Liotta or the creature Ray, that he's turned Ray into? Ray? He kind of looked normal. 
Okay. Did he look like Ray Liotta, like normal, but then he took off a mask and he was that other creature underneath it? The, the, the Chantix. It's possible. I mean, they do a lot of makeup in movies. <laughs> the Chantix. The Chantix. That's, a, that's his, his monster name. He, he didn't look like Chantix Ray Liotta. He, turn, he turns into the Chantix <laughs> in a full moon. He called him a uh, puby. Instead of Hubie, you get it because it's like oh, pubes. Because it's oh, like <laughs> I get it. You get it. That's probably where they came up with the name. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it's not good, and uh, I would stay away from it. The thing about it is, is, like, there's so many better things to watch, funnier things. Well, there was a movie you stayed away from for a while, <laughs> um, and yeah, we've seen it now. So let's tell. Let, and tell it's been a while. It's I mean, been a long it's, while. It's been a while. The, this this film uh, is is for part of the Van Damme, you know. Yes. Franchise of, of, of early nineties, early movies, uh, but the Time Cop, based off of a comic book, nineteen ninety four, twenty six years ago. Right, I had never seen it, and mainly because I hate Van Damme, and I saw like his earlier movies, and I thought every single one of them got progressively worse. Sudden Impact, uh, what double? Double Impact. Double Impact. Impact. What Street answer? Fighter. No, I think, I think Sudden Impact is one. I think. Yeah. What's yeah. the one with the hockey box? I like, like that one. Was it sudden? That's Sudden Death. Sudden Death. Sudden death. They're, they were all like all Powers Booth is the villain in that one. Yeah, so I purposely didn't watch Time Cop. But then, like a few years ago, I remember John mentioned to me, you know, that one's not that bad. So I happened to be uh, flipping around, I think on one of the Stars channels, and I saw it was coming on, so I recorded it and I decided to watch it. And the best part about it is, I got to see Ferris Bueller's girlfriend naked. That's right. Oh yeah. When she was around. Sloan Peterson. Yeah, she was about the, that age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said it like Cameron impersonating her dad. <laughs> But um, I actually really like this movie, and I don't know the last time you guys saw this or remember this, but I believe a, a very classic, great film ripped this movie off. So after, so you know, the movies it, he it, it starts with him in his house with his wife, or and he's leaving to go out, and they get attacked for some reason. They don't know why. The house explodes. Fast forward, now he's like this depressed guy. He's got a drinking problem. So he gets sent home from work. His boss tells him, go home, man. Go, go, go just relax. Take a night off or whatever. He goes home. He, he gets in a car that drives itself. All right. It's very similar to a movie that rips it off. He gets to his house and starts telling the house to turn things on, just like in this classic movie that rips it off. And what does he do? He starts drinking. In the futuristic movie, the guy does drugs. But then he starts watching home movies of his ex-wife, and starts talking to the home movies, just like Minority Report. So the whole scene was like straight out of Minority Report, and I was watching it like, holy shit, Minority Report stole this, and it, it blew me away. And I actually thought the movie was actually really good. I thought the villain. So I'm, okay, so your your premise here is that the great Steven Spielberg watched Time Cop and was oh, so inspired by it that he's like, I'm going to put this in the back of my. I don't know, but you tell me which one came know. first. <laughs> it was definitely Time Cop. And the scene is almost like identical from well, Minority well, Report. Well, time, well, Minority Report was based off of a Philip K. Dick story. Right, I mean, it, yep. but I don't know. I never read the, the which, story. Which was written in 1956. Okay. Maybe maybe the guy who made Time no, I get, read I've, the book. I, no, I've, I've read the Philip K. Dick story, and that particular scene is not in it at all. Uh, there you go. So Spielberg ripped off Time Cop. There you go. I always knew that guy was a hack. So there's your title, Spielberg ripped off Time Cop. Spielberg is a hack. <laughs> um... But yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed the movie. I mean, it's got a lot of that campy '90s stuff with Van Damme, but it was it, it, he does that split. Yeah. He does the the split when he electrocutes the guy, and but you know he splits on the. Kitchen. I know you said you only. Have you ever seen Hard Target? Yeah, that's 
Like, because that one, I mean, it's a terrible movie, but it's... It's terrible. It's, 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 it's a comedy. Because if, <laughs> right. if you watch it as a comedy, it's very funny. So, here's, so why, here's why I probably didn't like it. I didn't see it initially when it came out because I was staying away from Van Damme movies, but I started to see a lot of the John Woo movies. And I was like, man, John Woo's amazing. So then I saw, oh, he did a Van Damme movie. I went back this and is watched first it. American movie. And I was like, well, this is not a good John Woo movie. <laughs> if I'd watch it in the vacuum of just, you know, a, a comedy, probably would have enjoyed it. But I was expecting, like, you know, The Killer or, you know, Face Off. Didn't get that. Well, my, my big thing that uh, made me really want to watch Tom Cop is I went downtown. It was in probably seventh grade or so. We had, it was a field trip going on. I can't remember where we were going. We were going to the Cabildo or somewhere like that. And they were shooting it down there. And they had a whole bunch of area that was blocked off. And we just saw like a director's chair and it said Van Damme on the back of it. And we were like, Van Damme? And I was like, oh, he's probably not here or whatever. And then I just heard one of my friends, I don't even know who it was, just go, mullet! And we looked up and there's Van Damme with his glorious mullet from that movie. Nice. Just walking around. He was kind of short. Most of them are. Yeah. But like so, uh, Stallone's 5'9". Yeah. So yeah, but, but yeah, I saw, I saw the, the the set of of Hard Target, and that's why I wanted to watch it. The gumbo was a tragedy, <laughs> but the coffee was tolerable. I would definitely recommend. Who, who drinks coffee with gumbo? And then he slides across. It doesn't live in the nineteen. He slides across like sixty three cents for for his meal that he just ate. Oddly specific. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so what would you give Tom Cow? Probably like a seven. Yeah, it was, that's a solid movie. Yeah. So that's a fun one to go back and rewatch. It's a very, very fun movie. I loved Ron Silver as the villain. I thought he was great. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, his brother Terry Silver. <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> that that crank crap. <laughs> um, so, John, you mentioned that you and the wife got to watch Enola Holmes. We did, yeah. Um, yeah, Karen had been wanting to watch it. Uh, we enjoyed it. It was just very a very light kind of young adult thing. Which Is it? Is there some books? Yeah, it's yeah. based off a series of books. Okay, yeah, and uh, I really liked Henry Cavill as, uh, as, as Sherlock. I mean, he's not in a lot, but he just I kinda kinda swore I heard Netflix wanted to turn this into like a movie series. Yeah, I'm sure. They yeah, did. I think they will. And um, and yeah, the guy, the guy that played Finnick in, in uh, Hunger Games is, is Mycroft. It's it's delightful. Yeah, it really. Yeah, is. I, I really enjoyed it. You really describe bu- it like a piece of pie. It's delightful. It is. I describe it like. Todd Berger described the proposal because <laughs> that movie is delightful. Isn't yeah. that a Ryan Reynolds movie? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> it's got Sandy B in it too. Yeah. Did you ever watch Definitely Maybe like we actually do? Um, I don't think so. You should I'll have that. to look that up. That's a good. Uh, it's a good romantic comedy. And yes, it's Ryan Reynolds, but he's not very Ryan Reynolds, if you know what I mean. You should definitely you, you, watch it. Not I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I hope everyone knows what you mean. He was good in that movie, Buried. He that was, was a freaky movie. I heard that movie was good. But you know, it's it's just him. I can't take it's it. It's just him. It's him in a box. But it's not funny at all. So like, he's not trying to make you make laugh, make you laugh. Like he makes a lot of people laugh, but not you. You get angry when he tries to make you laugh. And I actually thought he was really good in um, what was the one with all the hitmen? Jeremy Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces. Yeah, he was good in that. I thought he was great in Blade Trinity. <laughs> that was the first time. He there got wasn't a whole lot that was great about cut, Blade Trinity. Yeah. All right, the gentleman. This is a movie that I've actually been wanting to watch for a while. So oh, I thought you were, <laughs> I literally thought yeah, you said so, gentlemen. This is a movie. Oh, and no, I was no, like, no. okay, what's the, the gentleman? Movie? The yeah. gentleman. So yes, yesterday um, was Saturday. Saturday afternoon, um, Glenn and I, both of our wives, took our little girls to a Disney princess brunch, which apparently was delightful. At the Court of Two Sisters. So we were like, well, what I've are we eaten there before. It's a nice restaurant. So yeah. we were like, what are, what are we going to do while they go do all of this? And uh, 
Glenn's like, well, can you get some lunch? He's like, and I got a, I, I bought the, the gentleman a while back because I want to see it. I haven't even opened it. I was like, you know what? Let's go get ourselves some China doll and we'll sit down and watch the gentleman. So we did. Oh, that yeah. sounds like a delightful day. It was. Yeah. It was. was. I got, it was up on clearance and I had heard good things. So oh, I when had, did it come I just, out? January of this year. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's still relatively new. Relatively new, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, um, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. And I mean, it was... I loved it. I didn't like it maybe as much as Snatch, but I liked it at least as it, much as Lock, Stock, and Smooth. It was Smoking definitely Barrels. a return to form. Yes, because, definitely a return to form. Yeah, because he had he started his career with Lock, Stock, and Snatch, but then he kind of ventured out a little. Started. He did some stuff with Madonna, which was not good. Right, but then he did um, like the Sherlock Holmes movie. He did Sherlock Holmes. He did Aladdin. Uh, yeah, Aladdin, Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. And which I mean. I liked pretty much. Yeah, all I like those movies. I didn't like the Madonna thing. Though. No, no, but I mean this. Uh, this yeah, this kind of goes back to the old kind of London gangster kind of thing. That uh, has it. I got a question for you guys. Has any? Do y'all recall anyone who came into contact with Madonna or dated her that ended up doing better? Sean Penn. Sean Penn. But not while he was with her. Uh, or am I could be off about this? I feel like she like. She brings you down. Like 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 think about Warren She's Beatty. A- well, is she, is she, is she, are you are you insinuating that Madonna's actually a succubus? Maybe. She's like the anti-muse. She doesn't inspire. She takes away from you. There's a, there's a succubus in Lovecraft. She, she sucks the life away. I mean, you say that, but like, like Guy Ritchie had the Sherlock Holmes movies, and well, he had to but, but no, but like, but Sean Penn, while he was with Madonna, maybe wasn't great. He got good after. He, but, but Guy Ritchie's no longer with Madonna either. And so, now he's, so he had a period when he was there. So she, it's is, like an albatross. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, and I, once I, once she was gone and out of the system, he got better again. She's poison. Dennis Rodman. <laughs> she's poison. Dennis Rodman's the same way. Tupac. He was great at basketball, and then he got together with Madonna and went downhill, and now he's you know the ambassador to North Korea. Yeah, Tupac right. paid the ultimate price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's living in witness protection <laughs> with Elvis. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying. I just when y'all mentioned that, I'm like, you know, Guy Ritchie was like a, like a pariah for a while, and now he's like he's great again. Look at Aladdin. Yeah. Well, and the gentleman, which was I, I really enjoyed this movie. So yeah. What's it about? So, um, what's some gentleman? <laughs> Matthew McConaughey plays a character by the name of Michael Pearson. He's uh, uh, an American expat living in um, England. And he's kind of a. Um, he was a. He's an American who grew up kind of with nothing, and he became a Rhodes Scholar and got a scholarship to go to Oxford. And when he was at Oxford, he started selling pot to kind of make ends meet. And basically, did, I think they said he didn't even graduate from Oxford. Right. He just turned this into a big marijuana selling empire. And, so uh, yeah. So and he he has all the he has this this kind of thing where he goes and he finds these old houses yeah. and like grounds when the um, the patriarch passes away and they're trying to figure out what to do where he kind of finances it so as yeah. long as he can grow his yeah. product. So that, so that the heirs can stay there and afford, and afford to live there. Right. And to keep up appearances. Does he save downtown Abbey? Pretty much. Well, his, his wife is um, Michelle it's Michelle Dockery from, from downtown Abbey. Yeah. There you go. It's got a good cast. It's yeah. got a really good cast. Um, and kind of his... Consigliere, I guess, is Charlie Hunnam. Who is excellent. He is amazing in this movie. Um, He's so gorgeous. <laughs> and Hugh Grant plays this kind of scumbag uh, uh, private co- eye. Cockney private eye. I remember this trailer. Yeah. And, he, and, he's, and the whole thing is, he's basically, he's got this story that he's telling Charlie Hunnam what he's going to do and release this story about his boss unless these different things happen or whatever. So it's basically like Hugh Grant's character is narrating the movie. And, um, and they just kind of keep going back to their discussion. Right. And, I mean, there's this whole group, there's this whole thing where um, Matthew McConaughey's character, he kind of, he, he's getting a little older, and he wants to, he, he sees, you know, 
kind of the end of a lot of these people that start these drug empires. So he, he wants to get out. And he wants to sell his business. So he wants to sell his business to this rich uh, Jewish kind of um, uh, yeah. Jeremy Strong place. Jeremy Strong from Succession and some other stuff. Yeah, and um, so he, he comes up with this, what he thinks is a very fair price. He wants 400 million pounds, I think, for this giant drug empire. About and, 600 million dollars. <laughs> but there's these... All these com- these different groups of um, kind of like Snatch. How there's, there's like all these different characters. Yeah, there are these different um, kind of I want to say gangs, but like different. But it's like there's like kind of like an Asian group um, who um, is run by this an old guy who I, I didn't really recognize, but his like kind of second in command is Henry Golding, the guy from. Um, uh, oh, uh, yeah, Crazy, Crazy, Rich, Crazy Asians. Rich Asians, yeah, and the and one with uh, Last Christmas, Last Christmas, Last Christmas, yeah, yeah. and um, and he's he plays what is a dry eye, dry eye they call him, yeah, and he's kind of. The main villain, I would say, probably. I would say he, probably. He, yeah. There, there are not a whole lot of very good guys in this. No, movie there's not. You have been wanting to watch both Snatch and Layer Cake, right? Yeah, now. and then there's um there's this group of uh kind of like young kids that are like training to, to be boxers and stuff like that, but they do this thing that's called fight porn where they go start fights with people with and cameras, they, with cameras, yeah. so they can put it all on the internet and um. The guy that trains them is Colin Farrell, and it's this very strange. And his name is just Coach. Yeah, and, and his character is really good. And, and, and uh, he's not in the. He might be in the movie maybe about ten minutes, maybe, but maybe, he's maybe steals, a little bit longer than that. But yeah, but he steals every single second that yeah. he's in. Colin Farrell is awesome in this yeah. movie as as Coach. But um, but it's I loved it. Yeah, at first like. Trying to it, it it seems like the way we're describing it might be hard to follow. It's kind of like trying to describe what Snatch about. I mean, it's, right. it's, I, it's I wouldn't say that it was hard to follow, especially no, the way that he frames it, where Hugh Grant's kind of narrating the whole yeah. thing. It, it works. And one thing that is helpful when it's something that's a little more complicated and stuff going is if you have kind of bigger name people to where you know because sometimes when it's I don't know who any of these people are. I've never seen these people before, and there's all these different names and stuff. You kind of lose track of what's going on. But I mean, in your head, you can be like, "Oh yeah, that's Colin Farrell's character." They're talking about him. You know, this is right. you know. So it's the, the big surprise to me was Charlie Hunnam because Charlie like, Hunnam was when you look awesome at the, the posters, he's always kind of in the background. Yeah, and he's amazing in this movie. I've been telling people, man, that dude's good. And it's, I mean, and it kind of like Snatch and Lockstock. There's a lot of violence in it, but it's hilarious. Yeah, um, they just announced that Miramax. They're getting into the TV business and they're apparently going to be um, making this into a television series. This is one of the two movies. Because they announced they were going to uh, adapt two movies into television series to start off there. And I could totally, I could totally see this, and being, I could a see this being a TV series. The other hopefully one, Charlie Hunnam. The, the other one's Mimic with the Mira Savino monster movie. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, it's Mimic and the Gentleman. Should make the Mothman prophecies. But, um, That's an underrated movie. Yeah. But anyway, I would highly recommend The Gentleman. For a, for a year that's kind of sucked with this came out in January twenty twenty. I'd, I'd say this was one of the better movies. I'd give I'd year. give this an eight point five. I, I was I was thinking between eight and eight and a quarter. I, yeah. I'm so happy to hear because I really want yeah. to see this. Good stuff. Yeah. American Murder. Um, <sighs> I guess we got to talk about this. We had to. <clears throat> it's the most popular thing on Netflix. Look, Netflix. Whenever you see Netflix does a true crime, anything with true crime, you got to watch it because nobody does it better than they do. So I saw they had this thing called American Murder, The Family Next Door. Didn't know anything about it. Didn't know the story. And I decided to put it on. And it's, it's really well done. And it's done, it's told through like uh, a lot of social media posts, text message, voicemails um, with this couple um, in Colorado. And they have two young daughters. And the wife is pregnant. And it opens with... Uh, 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 like a doorbell camera showing her arriving at home at like 2 in the morning and that's the last time she's ever seen 
her and the kids just vanish. And so the movie's about what happened to them, I guess. Now, in full confession, I was about halfway through it when I texted you guys that y'all should watch it because I was like, this is really good. And it was really good. And it is really good. It is good. But then when you get to the end and uh, you find out what really happened and it's described in pretty gruesome detail, it's hard to watch. If you have children, especially small children... Just be prepared. Be prepared if you're going to watch it all. I honestly... like. I got a three-year-old daughter, and Glenn does too. And after I watched it, I told Glenn, don't watch this movie. And I told my wife the same thing. I was like, don't watch it. I mean, it was hard to watch at the end. I guess, I guess one reason why I would tell people that they should watch it, especially women, is maybe it's a, it's, it's a way people can see some red flags in their, you know, with, especially because I don't know if y'all picked up on it because it happened. They mentioned it kind of quickly. These two met online. Yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe. There's a way you can pick up on red flags about people with or their you can behavior. Just watch yeah, that too. But um, it's 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 very dark, and um, it's become this new thing. It's like trending all over social media. People are talking about the story. I didn't remember re- hearing about the actual news story when it happened, but um, it's not it, it's not that old. I want to say it happened like two or three years ago. But, I mean, uh, if it's still on social media and stuff like that, it's yeah. Well, apparently the the wife in the like she is she an influencer. No, no, but she like she was really into social media. Like, she would record. Like, there's actually she worked from home. She had some kind of like sales job, but yeah. she, she she worked from home. There's a scene actually where um, this is like the the, the the couple decided to play. He was going to play Santa Claus and, and show up for the kids, and she wanted two cam, two phones, one to record the video of him getting with the kids, and another phone to take pictures. And so when he shows up without his camera, she you knows she's talking to the camera. Oh, he didn't listen. Uh, it was just like it. Her, her living on social media and they seemed like a normal couple I know that's sort of the cliche about these type of things oh he seemed like a normal guy and all this different stuff but, but he wasn't normal it, he was normal but something snapped in the dude like even he sort of admits he can't really understand what went wrong with him and why he did what he did uh, it's pretty horrific so uh, if you watch it it's very well done it's, it's great but it's not it's actually easy to watch till the end and it's funny because he, he denies what happens completely at first. And then he gives kind of like a strange kind of like partial confession. Yeah, and the, conf- the partial confession almost kind of makes sense. To him. Well, yeah, to I mean, it, well, to anybody really. I yeah, mean, if what he if, had initially if what he said, said was true. It was justifiable. Um, but, but then it turns out that that wasn't true at yeah, all. Yeah, he just was constantly lying. But, I mean, I'd say the last 20 to 30 minutes is the roughest part. So if you watch the first hour... You can just turn it off and then read about what happened. Yeah. It's probably easier for you. And then just go watch Hubie Dubois. But yeah, I mean, I watch this kind of late at night. Maybe but that's why I watched Hubie Dubois, <laughs> because I just watched that. And yeah, I mean, I felt like when it was over, I went in my little girl's room and she was asleep. And I just like, I just had to go like kind of like make sure she was okay. I don't know. It sounds weird, but like I was just, I don't know. It, it shook me. Yeah. I don't know how I, uh, uh, someone can do what he did. Yeah. <laughs> but enough of that. Rating? Was it the detail? Like, I'm not understanding how shocking the end can be. It wasn't so It's not much so much the shock ending. Yeah, it's, it's the detail of what he did to her. Um, and he actually, yeah, he, he talks he about exactly get. what he did, exactly what the victims were saying at the time. If the victims were awake at the time, were they asleep? One one was, but one wasn't. And this is what she kept telling me while I was doing what I was doing. And they're like little children. And there's one, one, three, one, four. So it's, it's really, and then when you find out exactly. And the wife is pregnant. 
exactly what he did to the bodies and stuff. It's it's pretty bad. I mean, I, I don't know other way to say it. It's it's awful. Totally watching this. Yeah. What uh what rating would you guys give it? I mean, as far as a film goes, I'd probably give it about a seven and a half. To yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd just I'd give it a seven and a half as far as a film goes. But it's is, is the it's not for everybody. Well, I was gonna say, is that rating? Do you think influenced by the fact that it's so hard to watch? No, it's no. well made. It's, it's very, very, well made. very well made, and I love the fact that they were able to use actual texts and videos from their lives. It, yeah. it, it made it more personable and relatable to. And them. I mean, like I don't. It's weird comparing it to this movie because it's nothing the same. But it's almost like how you would recommend if somebody's never seen it. The first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan. It's like it's it's really good, but it's not for everybody. You, it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, it's sort of a reverse Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. the hard part is at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you guys all watched Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. The Five Bloods. Yeah, uh, it's I, I, had, uh, I had wanted to see it. I just sort of like not gotten around to it, but then Glenn messaged us and he watched it, and I was like, well, now I have a reason to force myself to go watch it because I kept forgetting about it. Yeah. All right, so yeah, I think I was the first one to yeah. Yeah. watching. Um, this is a Spike Lee film or joint. Spike Lee joint. Jointly joint. The only one I think that he put film was um, his remake of uh, Old Boy. That was uh. that wasn't a joint. But uh, anyway, this is a Netflix film. Um, it's about uh, four African American Vietnam vets that uh, are now present day traveling back to Vietnam to try to find the remains of yeah. their fallen. Yeah. They kind of go back, and you, this is early on in the movie. You find this out. They kind of go back for two reasons. The re, the reason on the record is to go get the remains of their their fallen uh, commander, commanding officer, right. commanding officer of their little group, who was played by Chadwick Boseman in right. the in Storm, the. They called him Storm and Norman. Storm and Norman, um, and he's just kind of in the in the flashbacks. But the other reason is because when they were there, when he was still alive, they were sent to recover this CIA plane. Right. And. Uh, when they went when they went to it, they found a big chest of gold bars that was in it that they were supposed to be paying some of the uh, underground in South Vietnam to do stuff, whatever. Yeah. So they decided they were going to bury it and come back many, year, years, year, later. many years later and find it. And um, and they thought they had lost it because they, they had uh, the whole area got napalm, so all their landmarks were gone. But they had a mudslide re- recently in the thing, and. Uh, and they had an idea where it was. So off the record, they went back to also find the, the gold. Yeah, and it's um, yeah, it's four vets and one of their sons. Yes, accompanies them. So it's it's a five Americans back yeah. in Vietnam. Um, like John said, on the record, they're looking for the remains of their comrade, but they're also looking for this chest of gold. Um, stars Delroy Lindo as Paul. Um, but the other group, it's um, Clark Peters from uh, Treme. He plays Otis. And The Wire. Yeah. And he's in The Wire. And um, uh, Isaiah Whitlock. You're is, right. Melvin. Is Melvin, who's also in The Wire. And the other one was Norm Lewis. Does he say she? He, he does. does. He and says he, in everything he's in. He's in damn it. I feel like uh, he's sort of, in a way, I think it's better than I'll Be Back. Oh, definitely. Like, I don't know why, but it's just... Because it doesn't get overused, and it's always like when he, it's always necessary when he says it. When he came to work, you have no idea how bad. I just wanted to like, can you? I'm sure this from my he's. Voicemail? I'm sure like so many people. My, my friend Ricky has got a bobblehead on his desk of him that when you press a button on it, it says she. Did he start that on the wire? Uh, I don't know where he started it, but I mean, the first thing I ever remember seeing him in was actually Twenty Fifth Hour. Is what I Twenty Fifth Hour with with uh, was also Spike Lee. Spike Lee joined. He did it in that, and. uh 
I'm sure if you if you ask, I'm wondering if it would be like, remember when Susan Sarandon was on Friends and everyone wanted her to slap them? Yeah, it's gonna be. I wonder if it would be something yeah. like that where everyone asks him. To um, say and this other, yeah, the, the other guy's in Norm, Norm Lewis. Uh, I didn't really recognize him from much else. No, he was he, very good. He was very good, and he'd been in some other some other things. And then Jonathan Majors, who's a younger guy, is the one that plays Daryl Orlando's character's son. And Jonathan uh, Majors is in the the star of Lovecraft Country, right. and he's gonna be in the new Ant Man. Right. Oh. So, so yeah, that, He's very good. yeah, they're the little group. That I think are, I nominated him for Awesome Villager a couple weeks ago. You did deservedly so. Yeah, but um, they're a little group that are, and then they kind of um, come across a group of French people that are there. They're kind of um, and they're missionaries, kind of like, like missionaries, but they're there. It's like a foundation they've got, and they're trying to find all the like the hidden landmines and stuff like that to make the area safe again. And what's funny is the girl. I didn't recognize the girl, but the the two guys that are with her are. Two, the two kind of main guys that were in the in the the clan and and black clansmen. Right. Yeah. It's the the dude the, from uh, the one that played Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell, yeah. yeah. And then the other guy who was kind of like the the main the one that his wife was getting all involved in black clansmen. Right. They were both in it. So yeah, they run into the the, the the French group a couple of times, but um, this is a very good movie. Very good. Movie. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think you're underplaying how good this movie is. I think it's Go. I think it's amazing. It, it's one to me. It's one of Spike Lee's best movies. The only thing that kind of bothered me a little bit in it, and this is minor, was the the time timeline didn't really make a whole lot of sense. There was some weird editing parts. Yeah, he, which he, I mean, that's kind of a Spike Lee thing. I, yeah, I guess. He, like, there's a there's a scene where one of the characters is sort of having a mental breakdown in the jungle. Right. And then all of a sudden, he's been captured. Right. And I was like, wait. Did I miss something? Like, but, but what I'm talking about is there's a character who finds a girl that he kind of was with in Vietnam and finds out that he has a daughter that he didn't know about from back then. And she's like, looks like she's about 25 years old. Vietnam was 50 years ago. <laughs> like, that didn't make sense. I, I didn't really think about that. And, there was, and there's some other things, which I mean, I think it was just part of the, the shooting, which they did. And a lot of it, I, I feel like it's because the character that was kind of having the breakdown, a lot of the, the flashbacks were kind of from his point of view, where it was flashbacks and it was Chadwick Boseman looking like Chadwick Boseman, and the other four guys were old guys. Yeah, they, so, were, they were just themselves. Well, yeah, they, and then, like, in the end credits, there's They a, show a picture. And they, like, they and, de-aged, and they de-aged him. him in the picture. Right. So. so, yeah, I think it's kind of more along the lines of the, the characters kind of having the breakdown. He's just kind of imagining, this is, a, this is what we look like now, so this is what I'm picturing. That, that's kind of the way yeah. I, I... Which I, it was fun. It, I, At I, first, I, I was kind of like, that's kind of strange. Yeah, I know it's kind of like seeing Hayden Christensen next to Alec Guinness. But, yeah. um, so here's where uh, I'll really get into why I love the movie. And this is going to get political. Because it's very... It's well, very. I mean, it's a Spike Lee. Spike Lee's known for... But it's very, very timely. And I don't know how much he might have changed about the ending. About like where some of the money goes. All right. I think that might have been something he might have added. Because it's definitely something he could have just filmed. Yeah. But here's the thing. Like, the however you come across with the whole Black Lives Matter and the protest thing, I mean, it's a political group, whatever. What I loved about it was Spike Lee didn't really... He put his opinion on things, but he also backed everything that was going on with facts and why the, you know, from the soldier's point of view in Vietnam, like, I love the fact that the there's a, a scene where, like, this Vietnamese, North Vietnamese, like, radio broadcast is... It's kind of spread out throughout the movie. It's, yeah. it's sort of putting stuff in their heads, and, you know, it's saying, you know, why are you fighting for a country where... Black people are eleven percent of the population, but you're thirty-three percent of the military that's fighting in this war and dying. Yeah. Why are you doing this? And it's just and he talks about and like Storm and Norman is educating the troops about, you know, black history. And they talk about how that was before black history was even really a thing. 
and he was talking about you know black people have been dying since the American Revolution, the first one killed was Crispus Attucks and all sorts. I love how he kept backing things up with facts. Yeah. It wasn't an opinion-based thing. He was like, yeah, this is what is really going on. Um, I, I love this movie. I, I can't say a bad thing. There's a there's a couple of weird parts here and there. I mean, the only thing, and this is kind of nitpicking, I thought maybe you could have edited maybe about 10 minutes off of it. Possibly. It is a little long. Just it's, because it's about two and a half hours. It's, it's, it's a Netflix film, and I think kind of, I mean, I, I'd say it's not just Spike Lee. I said the same thing about Scorsese when The Irishman came out. The Irishman was way too long. That was ridiculously that, long. When um, season two of that came out. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, uh, sometimes I think Netflix, you know, they give these, some of these directors just, they can tell them to do whatever they want, which is good, but sometimes I think, you know, and edit a few minutes yeah. off of it, but that's a nitpick thing. This is a fantastic, movie. And, I, and I love the action. It was like, oh yeah, tremendous action sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were, and then it was very kind of, I don't know. I liked how fast everything had, like the action scenes, right. like, especially the flashbacks in Vietnam. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, I don't know. I, I think I kind of liked the way they did it, where they just they put Del Orlando as he looks now in there, just because it's all it's how he remembered it, and. I thought also as much it was funny a lot like I oh, found yeah. myself laughing at a lot of the parts of it um, it's one of those movies that I felt like had everything it had you know social justice issues it had comedy it had action it had drama I thought it was a great movie from top to bottom and now, and I will say a lot of people are talking about this because it's one of Chadwick Boseman's final movies if you watch if you put in this movie on to watch a Chadwick Boseman yeah. movie it's you're, you're going to be disappointed he's yeah. not in this movie and plus it was kind of he looked sick yeah, he did look like he was. Sick. He's got he's got probably a total of about fifteen to twenty minutes of screen time, if, if that. If that, but and then it's all in flashbacks. Basically, if this was the big chill, he's Kevin Costner. So, um, um, so I'd give it a nine. What say you? Eight point five. It's I've, I saw two movies this weekend that I give an eight point five. Yeah, to. It, was, uh, it was a good movie weekend for me. One was yeah. Scooby Halloween. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I give it an eight and a half as well. I, I really enjoyed this. It's and it's available on Netflix. So yeah. And there, are a lot of people are talking about Del Orlando for Oscar nomination. One hundred percent. And I mean, but I mean, I think there's a few people in this who could get some some Oscar consideration. Um, Clark Peters, I mean, was. Oh, and we didn't even mention um, the appearance by Jean Reno. Jean Reno, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I loved their conversation with Del Orlando talking to him when they were trying to work out the deal. And yeah, this motherfucker here. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, yeah, Del Orlando and Jean Reno. I mean, two staples of the '90s. But and, and yeah, the, it, it was so great seeing them at the top of their game again. Yeah. Well, now it is time to nominate this week's Awesome Villager. Gentlemen, who are your nominees and why? Um, so I'm going to nominate someone who um, who did something I think is just brilliant, and he's a gift to humanity. Is it Keanu Reeves? No, it's not, but he is a gift to humanity. So this particular celebrity um, started this, like, um, you know, a register to vote campaign thing. Oh, I know what you're talking about. And if he did, if he got enough people to register, he, oh yeah, he recreated the iconic <laughs> Jeff Goldblum picture from Jurassic Park with him shirtless laying on the table. They made a Funko Pop of that. Yeah, and uh, it's just Jeff Goldblum. I love his TV show that was on uh, Disney. He's just living like his best life right now. You kind of gave away the end there when you said this guy is going to recreate the Jeff. Well, I didn't Goldblum. know how, I didn't know how long I was going to go on without saying it's, it's Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. But yeah, I'm nominating uh, Jeff Goldblum. Hard to argue with that. Um, I'm going to nominate Clark Peters because, I mean, don't get me wrong, Del Lindo was incredible in this movie, but I felt like Clark Peters was the understated performance, and he was like the glue that held the whole movie together. He's my favorite actor in The Wire. Yeah, I mean, he was great in The Wire. He was great in Treme. He was great for the couple of minutes he was in John Wick. I, I, that, the one flaw of John Wick is his character can't come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it was 
Yeah, he's. I think he's a very underestimated. I mean, an underrated actor. You don't. He, a lot of other people don't know his name, Clark Peters. But if you look him up on IMDb, you're going to recognize him. Yeah, he's one of those. And he was. He was excellent in this movie. I'm going to nominate Charlie Hunnam. Um, when I bought The Gentleman and put it on, I didn't expect him to steal every single scene yeah. in. Just because when you have like, I mean, the trailers were all Hugh uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Which, I mean, he's the narrator of the movie, but. Charlie Hunnam, like, you could ask John, they had two or three scenes where I laughed out loud at just the yeah. antics that he gets mm-hmm. into. And then the more I looked into it, like, apparently, Charlie Hunnam, he's very into, like, fashion and a lot of the stuff he wore was just his clothes. Um, but, I mean, he just blew me away with his performance in The Gentleman. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, he's he has quite the storied career. Um, you should I'm, watch Sons of Anarchy. You really should. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm gonna get back to it. I just I, I don't know. I started. I know, I know y'all said it doesn't really hook you until second like, season. This, yeah, and I, I started in the first season, and then I kind of got distracted. First season's okay. It's not bad, but it takes a while to get its stride going. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's just that's I'm gonna go Charlie Hunnam. I thought he was he was fantastic in this uh, in this sure. movie. And I'm gonna nominate Jason Sudeikis because uh, it's not just for his great performance and what up with that on SNL. <laughs> It's a it's a, a full career, but like Ted Lasso, yeah, like I didn't know what to expect when I when I saw that he was doing some soccer show. I was like, okay, what's this? I was I was thinking kicking and screaming with uh, Will Ferrell, and I was worried. But this this show seemed like something they put on British television, and he his entire career, Jason Sudeikis, has been a lot of different things. This generation's Chevy Chase. I, I, that's, that's very a, good. Ooh, that's a very good comparison. Yeah. yeah, he like he can do a lot of different things, and it's a there's a, a swagger and confidence to him. Mm-hmm. From a guy who can self-deprecate, that who is his wife is unmatched. His wife's Olivia Wilde. Yeah, I'd have some self-confidence too. Yeah. You know how he got her too? How he got her? Like how, how, how he won her over? <laughs> like she a was, sense of humor. No, no, she was at uh, an after party for SNL, and he, uh, he, she said they were on the dance floor, and he, he just came over, and he looked at her, and he said, "Whatever it is you're looking for, you don't need it," and walked away. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a sketch. <laughs> And like she like didn't like she's like it just kind of stuck with her. So when when Jason Bateman actually was like y'all should date, and him and his wife set him up. She was like yeah she was all into. She like and he was just smooth as can be. Didn't you know? Bend her over yeah. a barrel, show her the whole fifty, all fifty states. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great line. So uh, if you have to vote for some nominee other than your own gentleman, who would it be? Charlie Hunnam. I would vote for. Uh, I think I'd go with Sudeikis. Uh, John's guy. Clark Peters. Wow. Oh shit. Um. Well, in this case, I can't make it a, a, any sort of tie where we have to kind of go. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Charlie Hunnam too because I've loved him in Son of, Sons of Anarchy. I think we're we are owed Charlie Hunnam in some superhero movie. Yeah, he needs to be Green Arrow or he needs to be someone. They need to make a superhero movie where he he's the the main. I mean, he was King Arthur. The less we talk about that, <laughs> that movie was not very good. He was he was good, and a lot of people don't remember. But he was good in uh, Undeclared. Oh, I, I he was he was the, the British exchange student. He was like mm-hmm. one of the main like three characters. Nice. So Charlie Hunnam, you definitely come hang out. Yeah. With us. If you want to bring us some of your clothes, I'll totally wear them. And if there's any way that you can just like make us like just kinda as cool as you, you know. I know that's he possible. He did a movie that Putty talked a lot about. Was it The Lost City of Z? Yeah, with uh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah. Yeah. Two heartthrobs showing <laughs> they can act. That's the, that should have been the tagline of the movie. Two heartthrobs who can act. People would have wildly went saw it because nobody saw that movie. Yeah. All right, well, remember, as always, we have many platforms you can watch us on. There, uh, Listen to us on, not watch, because we don't do video yet. Um, Anchor Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the whole host of different podcasting sources. Plus, you can go to our website, www.theawesomevillage.com. 
Uh, join us next week. This has been Greg. Ryan. John. Glenn. And we'll see you out there.